Welcome to another special episode of Africa State of Mind, a podcast about great Africans doing great things on the continent and around the globe. It is all about changing the narrative on Africa, owning our own stories and controlling them. The podcast is definitely about curating incredible African stories by Africans. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your suggestions and comments on our social media pages. Our social media pages, again, for those who just joined us, Facebook at Africa State of Mind, Twitter at Africa State Mind. Let's get straight into this episode. There's a song from a play called Rent that I thought was apt to start this conversation with my guest on today's episode of Africa State of Mind. So please do indulge me. 525,600 minutes, 525,000 moments so dear. 525,600 minutes, how do you measure, measure a year? In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, in laughter, in strife. I thought it was apt to start with this song as a reference because after all, how do we measure life? And in this case, how do we measure how far we as Africans have gone from being that continent that never um, was never going to be able to influence the world to basically being the epicenter of the world? So let's look at popular culture, for example. Enter Wizkid, uh, Lupita, Chimamanda, Trevor and Black Coffee. An example of great leadership also coming from the world and people who are impacting and influencing the way that world leaders think. President Paul Kagame, Dr. Abi Abi Ahmed. I mean, we only have to look as far as one of the highest grossing movies of all time, which is based on Africa and showing how in all our blackness, beauty, intellect and resources, we had everything the world was lacking. Enter Black Panther. I could have gone on and on with so many different examples of how Africa is turning the world literally on its head. It's almost unbelievable thinking about that, that six years ago, this was possibly not the case. When my guest on today's episode of Africa State of Mind delivered her powerful TED talk, Finding the African story. The world didn't see Africa at all. Or if to use, if I can please use the Nigerian term, they did not see him for Africa at all. <laughs> in fact, the world blatantly refused to see any other view of Africa than that of hopelessness and one in need. It was this frustration that has been the fuel to my guest's success. As an author, executive producer, speaker, presenter, businesswoman, everything she has done has helped give an alternative story to this complex yet amazing place we call home, Africa. You may remember her from Jacob's Cross? I certainly do. Or be familiar with her work on Carte Blanche, CNN, or followed her career as she facilitated, facilitated international panels, or perhaps you read one of her romantic books, Nolly Books, which I know our producer Takisa did, <laughs> or you are you were a little envious of her as she traveled around the continent, rubbing shoulders and showing the lives of some of the wealthiest people in Africa. Or perhaps you're one of those people who contributed to a story that she was painting on the internet, um, on her website, Africa our Africa, where she only highlighted the good about Africa. She's now the chairperson of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in South Africa. She is Africa Retold, and her name is Moki Makura. 
Mwaki, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you very Good. much for that. It's always interesting listening to somebody describe you or talk about you in <laughs> yeah. the past. And you're like, is that me? Yeah. Mm, okay. I, I, okay, I clearly gave you a title wrong with regards to the Bill and Melinda you Gates Foundation. You absolutely did. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep it real. So, so Bill and Melinda are still there. They yeah. are the co-chairs. Yeah. I, I have two hats. I'm the country representative for okay, South Africa. Country, and yes. I'm the deputy director for communications okay. for Africa. Okay. So how did you get into I don't want to start there. I actually want to start with a great analogy that you gave um, in an interview where you said um, while while writing and speaking and traveling around the continent, you were interviewed and you said about how it's interesting that if somebody who lives in a township, somebody who lives in a township in South Africa will know what it is that an American mm-hmm. eats for breakfast, but they perhaps won't know what a Ugandan or a Ghanaian or somebody from Tanzania has for breakfast. Talk to us about just how far you mm-hmm. feel that we've come mm-hmm. as a continent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll tell you... Um, on Saturday, I was, an, I was at an event and increasingly when I do these events, I notice that African women are now wearing African yeah. clothing. It's a little thing, but it's, it, it's exactly to that point that, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, we were all wearing Western clothing. Exactly. So I now make a point that if I am doing a public thing, I will wear an African outfit because yeah. it goes to the fact that I am proud of where I'm from, from and having that Af- African identity is a good thing. We're yes. not sort of hiding it behind. It's not what we wear to bed at night. It's actually what we wear out. So for me, that was just, that's, it's always a moment when I look and I look across and I see amazing women looking amazing in what they're wearing that I realise that we have come a long way because yes. that perception has changed. The perception was that if you were African, it was better to be American. That's why we wanted to know what they had for breakfast because that was our aspiration. Yes, yes. So now the aspiration has changed. Mm. We want to be African and we're proud to be African. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it does go down to the fact that, you know, we, we have to start highlighting those stories we have Definitely. to put those heroes out there we've got to showcase people that are doing amazing things and you listed them yes. a lot of them so yeah i think yeah. there's a big change so now um you know what i find so fascinating is or not fascinating but interesting i'm going to go right into the heart of it and i come back to the light-hearted stuff so you know there's this constant debate about what's going on with the way that the world is looking at africa mm-hmm. on one hand um everybody's so excited so we've mentioned Wizkid, you know dr abby ahmed paul kagab all these different people who are being showcased globally um, as almost new faces to what Africa is all about. But then there's also, you know, a lot of people who are kind of skeptical in a sense that they feel that in a way, what is African is still being dictated by an international narrative. So only X amount of people are allowed to go through. Um, so what are your your views on that? Well, look, I think, you know, what I feel is that we need to stop looking at other people as being responsible for how things are, responsible Mm. for the narrative, responsible for letting certain people go through and they're only pinpointing certain people. Personally, I don't agree with that. Mm. I feel that, you know... Kagame is on a global platform because Mm. of the reforms that he's done in his country. You know... um, the, pre- the Prime Minister of Ethiopia has done amazing things in a very short space of time. So mm. he's gone through. I think the door mm. is open. You mm. need to step up to it. As Africans, we need to step up to it. You know, one of the things that, you know, I say that, and this is more about, you know, women and men and how, you know, you, you, know, you get this terminology called an angry black woman if you're a little bit oh, aggressive yeah. <laughs> and you, you're knocking on the door um, because you assume that you've been, you've been told not to be at that place. So yes. you're knocking on the door, you're angry. And actually, you know what? I think the doors open. You just need to go up to it and open yeah. it. And that's how I feel about Africa. Mm. That I think we've been saying that, you know, the narrative we need to, you know, 
people stop people talking about Africa in a particular way. We need to start talking about Africa in the right way. Mm. You know, I think a lot of it comes back to us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say this because I did this exercise a little while ago um, at some retreat that I went to where um, they asked about a movie that had sort of inspired you or influenced you the most. And when I thought about it, it was actually Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. And I remember seeing that film at the time and what really struck me and made me really angry and actually propelled me to do a lot of the things I do was the fact that everybody watched it and said, why did the international world do nothing? Why mm. did, you know, Belgium so not true. do anything? Why, yeah. didn't the, why, why, didn't the, why did the world turn its back? And I kept thinking, what about us mm. as Africans? What did we do? Mm. What did we do? And what did Rwandans themselves, what could they have done? Mm. And for me, it always comes back to, you know, before you point your finger, what are you doing? And that, mm. for me, is the way I approach a lot of these things, that mm. what are we doing? Mm. And now, just um, with regards to, because I think that that is so powerful, and when you said that, it led me into another kind of thought um, where it's, because even now, I feel that with the continent, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're a lot, we know a lot more about what's going on with our neighbours, but still we don't have... You know, what's, what's going on in the East and West and South? People are not, we don't actually know what's really happening. We haven't, as Africans, tapped into the possibilities of what is possible, you know, in other countries. So, for example, I know the Premier of Gauteng, he, he said that Gauteng has the seventh largest um, economy in, in Africa, which I thought was quite interesting. And then he also said that part of the reason was that because the private sector within Gauteng and the Gauteng government has understood the power of tapping into Africa, that's what's been the essential change. Do you feel that as Africans in general that we're seeing this, you know, people tapping in because there's talk of the free trade agreement, there's talk of all these different things, but are we really, you know what I mean, like what's the next push? You know, I, I think the AU, you know, has identified that as as a continent, as one big sort of country, so to speak, we're more powerful. Because mm. if you look at successful countries, China, India, you know, the US got massive populations. The way things work, I think, in, you, you need critical mass. Mm. And sometimes smaller countries like Gambia, Botswana, they're small, mm. right? So if we come together, we are just much more powerful exactly, yeah. together than we are apart. And, you know, things like being able to travel, Mm. across Africa easily. I mean, you know, going, yeah. getting a South African visa, getting a Nigerian visa. We are the so, ones doing a lot of these things to yeah. ourselves. We, 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 we sometimes make it hard for ourselves to be African. Intra-Africa trade, mm. you know, is, is, is a huge be standard, issue. Yeah. Because we, what the things actually most African countries require, most African countries don't sell. Sure. So we require oil. We most countries, Nigeria doesn't have even isn't capable of refining its own oil to get petrol. So mm. we import petrol. Mm. So I'm just saying, there's a lot of things that we as Africans need to mm. fix on the continent before we start with the blame game. Yeah. But I think the one thing is if we realise that we are a single market mm. and we should be able to cross borders. So things ECOWAS and the EAC and and um, SADC. We should all be trading. We should. It should be free movement of goods across the mm. continent. And you know, because I think, you know, what people don't realize, they, you know, we've got this thing called the swing states. We've got, Ethi um, we've got Nigeria. We've got, um, we've got Kenya, and we've got South Africa. Yes. And those are the swing states. Those yeah. are the. I've never actually countries. heard it in that way, but I see what you mean. Yeah, Sorry, those, continue. So, yeah. yeah. So if, you, for me, if you look at Africa, those are the ones that you kind of that take mm. the continent. Those are the ones that almost dictate what's going on on the mm. continent. And there's many many countries in between and those smaller countries won't be successful and will always drag us down or will always if we don't all 
come up together. Come up together. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that answers your questions, but that's how I see it. That it's we are one strong entity yeah. together. Yeah. And if we're not together, then we're weak. Yeah. No, definitely. I so agree with that. Now, I want to take it back to the first time that I actually saw you do anything, like quite literally, because I know, I mean, I was somebody who grew up like I just loved watching like soapies and dramas and all of that. You know, that's what I loved. So when I first saw Jacob's Cross in my mind, I thought, what is going on? But in a good way, because I was so captivated with the story. I loved um, the whole Nigeria and South Africa mm, link. I love that. Yeah. I love that. The, the inter-traveled was almost, you know, um, you, it was the vision. It was the dream. Yeah, it, it was it, the it was vision. Like, it was the dream. And it just seemed yeah. so like impossible. And even on a basic level, the relationships, the interrelationships and, and just this idea of like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is better than it's better than anything. Do you know what I mean? But I heard that you it, you didn't actually plan to become an actress. It, or did, no, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> and that's like a good that's a good accident to happen. It is. You know, you, my, my favorite thing is that life, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Yeah, yeah. Being an actress was not on my agenda. But actually, if you think about it, when I was very young, I used, used to be in all my school plays. And I used to like acting, but uh. it wasn't something that I thought. And I think also as an African, mm. being an actress is not something that my parents would have At said, all. you know, this is what we sent you to school for, you uh, know. So it's always been this thing that, you know, you know, whatever. But I was on television. So yeah. I was approached by um, somebody who said, oh, we need you for this film. And I was like, film. And I, he, he happened to be Nigerian. So immediately my mind went to like some of the Nollywood films. <laughs> Back in the day, production values are not great. I mean, I was like, no, I do not want to be in a Nollywood film. And he just kept at me and I said, okay, fine, I'll just go to the audition. Because, I, you know, I like to think that, you know, opportunity comes knocking on your door and you must just open it. You must do it. So to cut a long story short, I... I did it. I ended up being an actress and mm. I remember my And you were phenomenal. That's why I can't I grew believe it. into it. And I have to say, I always <laughs> say this to people that if I'd been asked to play a, uh, uh, you know, a sex worker who was on drugs <laughs> and was, you know, doing something, it would have been probably a lot harder. You'd, you'd have seen my limitations as an actress, but I was playing essentially myself. Yeah. I was playing you know, an educated African woman in business yes. that, you know, you can't go too wrong. You just stick to your lines and, you know, just, exactly. you know, so it, it wasn't a, a big shift. And I learned on mm. set as I was going, because when I first started, I had, you know, you, you know, when you're younger, you can just fall into things and become an actress. When you've been on TV, you know what it is to read a script, you know when to stop. And then all of a sudden you're acting. It mm. was, it was a bit of a transition, but I, I love the challenge. I ended mm. up loving it frustrated with how long it does take to to make television but it was amazing tv yeah. i think jacob's cross was one of the most phenomenal television series that happened because i think it really shifted people's perspectives of what africa is yes. and what it could be it was african business people we were doing things that you typically would see on a show like dallas or in an american show but we were doing it and it was being done in africa so it was i i really enjoyed it it's a pity yeah. that it's ended but it actually it's still being shown you know every so often yeah every time <laughs> i see it in my mind and you know and that's one of those great reference points i feel in terms of African um, film and, 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 and TV as a whole. I just believe that Jacob's Cross is one of those references because mm -hmm. I know there were awards that were won in Monte Carlo. It was an award-winning mm -hmm. show. But even with all of that, it was quite surprising that at that point, just to juxtapose, people were not, the, the rest of the world was not 100% sold on this is what Africa could be. It was totally fiction. Although people here were flying in PJs, like in Nigeria, people had private jets more than anywhere, but it just was not something that the world was comfortable seeing. Um, so it, it's good 
good to see now that there's the, the change in comfortability of what it, it means to be African has, you know. But but I do want to say, because I think some time ago, the Nigerian president, not the current one, you know, said at the time how uh, Nigeria was doing well, but look, and his measure of success was the number of private jets mm. that we had in the country. You know, now I work for an organization that's all about inclusive growth. Yes, and, yes. you know, you've got these extremes, you've got people with private jets, and then you've got people who've got nothing, mm. literally nothing. And but in Nigeria, they're right side by side. Yeah. In South Africa, they're slightly hidden, maybe in the townships and, you know, whatever. But that for me, you know, is a problem. So I don't want to paint, you know, um, Jacob's Cross as this aspirational show that was all up there, not reflective. But what I think Jacob's Cross did and what its role was, was to show that this is what is possible. Because those mm. people who are who don't have anything have to be able to dream. Mm. They have to be able to see themselves reflected, mm. right? Because that's your aspiration. Mm. So for me, that's Jacob's Cross role. Not that it was sort of floating off trying to, you know, pretend that, well, we don't have poverty in Africa and there's nothing here. It was actually saying that, Whilst we do, we're putting a picture of what is possible for Africans yeah. to achieve and aspire to. Yeah. And now just touching on um, work that you're doing now with the um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and you also mentioned with regards to Nigeria, and I think I saw stats about how Nigeria is the number what has 87 million people who are living on on the poverty line and has surpassed um, India where that is concerned. And so this brings in a whole, because I know the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, just following a lot of the work that you, you have been doing as an organization, it has been all about inclusivity from including people into the economy who perhaps did not have banking at all before, um, you know, just to ensuring that more women are included when it comes to different fields, be it tech, be it agriculture. For you, I want to ask many questions about this. So the first is about your thoughts about where it is that Nigeria sits currently, Mm -hmm. especially with the elections coming about in 2019 and some of the key things that need to happen to turn this African giant into one that is a dream for all Nigerians Mm -hmm. versus just a a small group of them. So that's a big question. What does Nigeria have to do to to, to just... You're like, uh, Boko Haram, which one is it? Eh? Water, Nepal? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Nigeria is an amazing place. I mean, obviously, I'm from Nigeria. Nigeria. And I think it has so much potential to be so much. It's got a huge population. You know, this youth boom that some people see as negative is an opportunity Mm. for us. It's got oil. It's got resources just not being, you know, assigned properly. I think from the Gates Foundation, you know, Bill Gates went there earlier on this year. And he sort of... He had a speech. He spoke to sort of all the the governors, all 36 states. They wow. were in a room. That's power to and, get them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he actually is spending billions of dollars in Nigeria. So he, he actually can, he's mm. one of the few people who can stand up and tell Nigerians. Mm. And what he actually said, which I think is true, is that Nigeria is not investing in human capital. It's not investing mm. in its people. If you look at Nigeria's spend over the last couple of years, and it's typical of a lot of African leaders, they put money into infrastructure, things you can see. Because when they leave power, they can say, oh, I built that bridge, I built that building, I put that train thing in place. But that is not what fuels an economy. Because to make people ride on that train, they have to be healthy, right? Mm. They have to be educated. And human capital is about investing in people in the health and the education of your country. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, Nigeria, I mean, I think, I, I can't remember all the, all the stats, but education-wise, kids can't read. 
right? Mm. Reading and writing in Nigeria, levels of education, the quality of education, the learning outcomes is so poor. We need to put effort and money into that, into people's health. You know, things like malaria, TB, things like that. People just, if, if you're not healthy, you cannot participate mm. in your economy. If you're spending all your money trying to figure out how you're going to survive, you know, people are not going to be focused on building a country. So for me and for the foundation, and this is actually a personal view, that instead of putting up buildings that, you know, don't get maintained at the end of the day, yeah. instead of building bridges for people mm. who don't have cars, instead of, you know, doing all these things that look great and propel us towards being this first world city, you know, we need to take care of the people who mm. don't have voices very poor. And even though governments say that's their priority, the reality is not because their priority probably is, you know, getting their private jets and... <laughs> You know, yeah. having the lifestyle. But I mean, I, I don't want to generalize like yeah. that. But I mean, I think the point is that I think Nigeria has potential Definitely. and with the right leadership. And that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it in Rwanda where you, when you have the right, the right leadership, leader, you, can you can change things turn, totally. Turn and you've seen in around. Ethiopia as well. Yeah. I mean, another thing when I was in Port Harcourt earlier on this year, um, I interviewed somebody from the Magic Brush International Film School. Mm-hmm. And he said something that was so interesting because um, that, that's where a lot of people from Nollywood went to train and such. Mm-hmm. And he said something so interesting. He said that what, the one thing that Nigeria has been able to sell to the rest of the world, the best thing that they've done is they've been able to sell their culture. And mm-hmm. quite literally, it's, I mean, my dad has to remind me often that I'm not Nigerian when <laughs> I just, you know, he's like, where's your Ugandan accent? It's like, <laughs> it's between these two worlds. I'm like, eh, daddy, what's happening? He's like, anyway. So, you know, it's, it's obviously the, the culture. And before everybody was trying to kind of speak in this American accent. Yeah. And now it's like, I think I also heard that the Nigerian accent is one of the sexiest in the world. Oh, really? Yes, one of the sexiest accents in the world. Um, obviously we've seen with the film industry, what Nollywood has yeah. done and just how it's grown and developed. And then obviously the popular culture and the fashion industry, mm-hmm. just all around. Mm-hmm. Nigeria really has, I think it's like what I love about Nigeria is that it's the prototype of how one country, yeah. Yeah. despite everything, can yeah. influence the world. Because well, that's literally yeah. what's going on in Nigeria at the moment. Yeah. And I think what fuels that is that Nigerians are incredibly proud of yeah. being Nigerian. Just like Americans. Incred- Americans are proud of being, it's, yeah. 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 You know, so one of the things like, you know, I'm married to Zimbabwean, so a Nigerian married to Zimbabwean and we've got kids who've grown up here. So yes. yeah, at one stage they used to think they were South African. Yeah. I used to say, no, you're it not. It's not possible. You are Nigerian. <laughs> and then I, I, I allow them to be Zimbigerians. I made up a, made up both. But it's funny, I spent a lot of, um, like two years with my, my kids in Nigeria and my daughter her default accent is almost a Nigerian accent. I keep uh. looking at it, like, where did you get it from? Where Where is it? Because it's a little bit cool. Yeah, it's, it's very, cool. yeah. In fact, she has, I, sh- I probably shouldn't be saying this, but she has these four friends and only, in fact, she's the only half Nigerian one. They call themselves the four Funkes. Ah, you're kidding, as in I, Funke? Funke, is that uh-huh. Funke like, Oh where, my like, gosh. Where did you get this from? You know, so so that, you know, to me, I mean, and they're in their teens. So yeah, it's, it, that's it is, fantastic though. It's great that, mm. I think they sort of gotten onto this spec that it's cool to be Nigerian. Yeah. But I don't want it to be about Nigerian. You know, it, it, because Nigeria has that big diaspora, you know, there's no place where you'll go, you won't see a Nigerian. Even Alaska, ask Trump. Oh, or- in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> so wherever you meet in the town, yeah. you know, they always say, and this is why I say that the biggest asset Nigeria has is its people. Because yeah. when you meet a Nigerian, you're like, wow, you know, they sound great, they're educated, they you know, whatever. Every time we've had people who've gone over there, gosh, they're so smart, slightly patronizing. Mm. But because they're educated, and they're outward looking, you know, mm. and, and, and I think the one thing I feel that I wanted to have, have make sure my kids had that I think 
that I had just from being a Nigerian was confidence. Mm. Sometimes it's misplaced confidence mm. because I have, uh, uh, you know, it's not always good. Um, but I think that level of confidence, which I see in Americans, yes. um, is a really good thing. And, and that's what I want to see with more Africans. Yeah. That, you know, it's not about what you have. It's it's your state just, of mind. Yeah. But, but what I do love about it is the fact that Nigerians are almost giving, you know, allowing all other Africans, Africans to right. step into their Absolutely. pride. I mean, just Absolutely. just one more story on this, which is so hilarious. I traveled for some award ceremony in um, the States. I'm trying to not mention the artist's name and everything. But the, we got to the um, to JFK, and this was like maybe two, three years ago. We got to JFK, and they're checking people, and I'm just like, listen, I'm not about this life, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was just praying they don't see all my visas in Africa. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, look, I was in Norway, you know, just so that they'll let you in. <laughs> Yo, the person that, it was some of the people I was with, and you know, like the artists, they were like, hey, this guy said to, the guy was busy asking him, he's like, sorry, sir, like, what do you do? Like, what? he's like asking him all these questions. He goes, uh-huh, do you want to Google? me can i tell you i went i was near the front of the queue i'm like see this is jfk it must stop i went to the other long queue got myself my own town car i'm like you guys are crazy what do you what do you mean he's like eh? i was just like that was like a, but it was so amazing because before you know everybody would be so like but yeah. now they're like no google me like yeah. what do you mean yeah. and i think that the immigration officer was also kind of like what? I didn't hear the rest of the story. Before. <laughs> Yo, I didn't hear the rest of the story. I'm like, we're at JFK. This is not happening. I'm not standing near you until we're inside. <laughs> I came here for, for something, you know. Um, but now also I wanted to just um, speak a little bit about how the, how the dynamics within Africa have changed. And I don't know if you'll be able to speak, um, in your capacity with the Bill Gates Foundation. Just with so I'm rega- going to give you a little trick because everybody struggles with the Bill and Melinda Gates yes. Foundation. Even I do. So just call it the Gates Foundation. Okay, the Gates Foundation. Because <laughs> I always want to say Melania. You know? Well, some people say <laughs> Melinda, Belinda, Melinda. I'm just because you always hear her name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with the Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a while back when people used to look at how they worked with Africa, it was always about Africa being a place of aid. Mm-hmm. And it looks mm-hmm. as though with some of the projects that you, that the, the foundation has, um, introduced, it's more about partnerships mm-hmm. and being, a, a, assisting with development versus it being, you know, as a relationship being like, we have, we're giving, you do, that's mm-hmm. it. So talk to us about some of the new initiatives that have have come through um, at the Gates Foundation currently? Well, I, I think, you know, the Gates Foundation, we have over, you know, 28 different program strategies, wow. right? So we do a lot. Mm-hmm. And because Africa is a lot of time where a lot of the issues are, the things that we're trying to solve, we spend a lot of money in, in um, on the continent. But I think what's been happening, not just for the Gates Foundation, but generally for development mm-hmm. people, people who are funding development, um, donors, you know, foundations, and people working, NGOs working in the space, is that you actually realize that in order for you to have lasting impact, you've got to change the model. Mm-hmm. For years, we've been doing aid from, you know, from America, from the U- U- UK, giving it, you know, to Africa as a beneficiary. And you realize that it's only successful if they are partners in it. Mm. Because if I give you money and I say, go and spend money on, you know, don't buy cakes because you need to lose weight. Mm. If you don't buy into that, I'm going to turn around. You're going to go buy cake and do whatever you want to do. And so I think over time, a lot of donor um, organizations have realized that you've got to engage because each country has its own priorities. For example, imagine in South Africa, if you come here, you're a donor, you want to your your focus is on neglected trop- tropical diseases, for example. Mm. The country is focused on tackling HIV and TB. There is nothing that you can say that's going to make them 
attach resources or prioritize neglected tropical diseases because it's not a priority for them. And I think that realization is what is swaying a lot of people because we work in partnership with government. So even in South Africa, we do do work in HIV and TB because that's a priority for South Africa. In Nigeria, um, our priority has been polio, um, which is not necessarily, but it has become the government's priority because, mm. you know, polio may not be a disease that affects a lot of people, but the essence of polio is making sure you vaccinate it's a simple, children. Mm. So the infrastructure for polio, once we put that in there, we've prayed huge amounts to make sure it's there. Governments can step in and they use that to do routine immunization of all children, which we know governments need, right? So for me, this thing about um, Africa not being at the table when the decisions are made, it's changing. Mm. We we are at the table because it, we're realizing that, you know, the, the president has to be there. There has to be a development plan and they have to be aware of what they want to happen in their country. Donors can come in and support that. That's mm. what happens in um, in. Um, Ethiopia. And the reason why a country like Ethiopia is so successful is that if you want to come in and do anything in Ethiopia, they hand you their development plan. Mm, this sure, is what we're powerful. doing. Yeah. These are our priorities. Mm. You look through there and you decide, okay, fine, I can support you on there, I can support you on that. If not, they make it difficult for you to operate there mm. because they don't need distractions. Mm. You know, so so definitely there is a, a shift. The way the Gates Foundation reflects that, we've only got three offices in Africa because, you know, we're not the UN. We can't. It's expensive having offices all over. But the role of the Africa team that I work for at the foundation is really to sort of understand what the local context is. So we're not just pouring money down into a country where there's no, you know, it's not being prioritized. Understand what the local context is. Understand what the other donors are doing. Get the government relationships. You know, you need to understand what government's priorities are. What what are their challenges? What are the blockages? And our role is to actually say, okay, so how can we help support mm-hmm. government, open up those blockages to allow our program teams to be successful? You know, HIV, TB, how can they be successful? So, for mm-hmm. example, the foundation um, supported um, by giving technical assistance to the writing of the national, um, what's it called, the the HIV and TB plan, the national strategic plan for HIV and, okay, yes. and TB. I can't, yeah. it's left my mind now. But we we provided technical yeah. assistance because we realized that, you know what, in order for us to do what we want to do, the, the sort of the platform has to be right. The mm. priorities in terms of how they want to tackle these two diseases has to be right. So we advised them and we provided mm. technical assistance. So, this thing about working in partnership, I think, is it's a realization that not just us has, mm. but everybody has. Because at the end of the day, Bill and Melinda are not spending all their money so that they can just say they did it. They actually genuinely want to have impact. Mm. You know, maybe it's an arrogant thing. You actually want to see that you've made a change. I mean, who, who doesn't? And yeah. I think the realization is you can't do it on your own. Mm, no, not at all. Um, as you were speaking, I just kept thinking um, this question kept going in my mind i have a lot of questions but i'm going to limit them so the one question is um would because you've done you've literally been involved in so many different things mm. be it from being an author you know and writing romance books i mean i didn't write the books you know, you i published published them, published them publishing them. sorry the yeah, books but I, yeah, yeah. to and traveling around the continent um on the show what is it called lifestyle living it living, living, it, it, living yeah. it yeah yeah where you literally were with some of the most powerful and wealthiest mm. people around the continent to Jacob's Cross to your mm. um, your philanthropy work right now with the mm. Berlin and uh, with the Gates, Gates Foundation, Foundation. <laughs> um, you know to just all round mm. is there because it seems to me as though your life just kind of happened as you were making plans so it was like a door knocked mm. opportunity you know mm. so if if the door behind you see that door behind you mm-hmm. there was a knock and you open the door and it was would you run for president of Nigeria would you open that door 
let's assume that you were based in Nigeria. Da da da. Take all of that Absolutely. out. Absolutely, you don't even have to qualify that. Okay. You wow. know, because I think I, you know, f- you get to a certain stage, you know. And I'm I'm 51 now, mm. and I feel I've done a lot. My life has been adventurous. I've been lucky enough to be able to get up, have a thought, and think, "Oh, I can do that." And I went out and I did it. You know, and the times I realize that is when I'm going on a plane and when we hit turbulence. In the past, I'd be like, oh my God, no, we're going to die. No. <laughs> now I'm like, you know what? If this plane goes down right now today, am I okay with all, what, what I've done? Yeah. And I think, yeah. So yeah. I'm actually very calm about yeah. life. But now I'm at a stage where, okay, so how do you really get back? Yeah. I feel that I'm in, in, in a very, you know, I'm in a, in a great job. I mean, I love working for the Gates Foundation. But if what's the next thing? Mm. It's really about going back to my country to serve. And I don't mm. know that necessarily it's being running for president. I think there's so many things that somebody like me can do. Born in Nigeria, had the you know, the privilege of being educated overseas, have had lots of experience working in different places. What can I bring back to my country? Mm. It's all very well to sit in South Africa and say, hey, uh, you know, Africa's a great place. But as I say, South Africa is Africa light. You know, there's mm, pockets Africa of it. Lights, where hashtag. You, can, you know, hashtag Africa light. You can pretend that, you know, you're, in, you're not in Africa, you know. Yeah. And I think... My my real, you know, you know, even I talk a lot about Africa, but I always say here, my heart, I'm Nigerian because mm. I know that when I die, mm. that's where I'm going to be buried, mm. right? So you know, it's full circle. I came from there, and that's where I'm going back to. So I do, I would go back, and mm. if there's an opportunity, I would absolutely mm. go back and serve. In terms of what I do, I really feel that you know, whilst um, Nigeria has a, a good reputation in certain pockets, you know, in terms of our entertainment, and we have a poor reputation in terms of governance and Mm. and things like that. And it's not about fixing our reputation by communications, but communications is what I do and what I've been doing Mm. for a long time. And I think that has a long way to to play that how politicians speak to the population, how you know how you know how you come Mm. across, how you communicate, that you know, you are there to serve Mm. the people. You know, if you you know I'm about going back to serve in Mm. whatever capacity. So if that door opens, regardless of who is behind there, if that's you know it's come to serve, as as um what's it um, Ramaphosa said, and it's that song, send me. Yes, send me. I'll go. Sure. I actually would like if you you know end up in one of those positions in Nigeria, I literally will call up. I say, what what do you mean? Do I do you not see my picture with her? What's your problem? Please 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 please. (laughs) What's all this visa? What what what? Bring her in. I'll be like, bring her in. I'll be like, uh-huh. see, yeah, they don't want to give me a visa. You, you sound so Nigerian. My goodness. Yeah, I'm My telling goodness. you, I have Nigerian names, so don't even oh, really? don't mind me. Yeah, <laughs> I, have to, I have to detox from all that, but it's all good. Um, and then and then I did want to say um, this one thing as we come to a closing. Um, the reason why, you know, we had felt it was so important to um, interview you, especially at this particular time in history as a whole, is that like we, you know, at the beginning, um, you know, I kind of try to articulate the way that Africa is now almost standing on a global stage, but in a different kind of way where people are respecting mm-hmm. um, Africa a lot more in a way that they were not before, you know, um, is that for me, you have always been that person who when nobody believed, mm-hmm. when people did not think there was another African story or that there was hope, when you had the opportunity to run and not come back, you were back. You believed, you self-invested, you fought to tell stories, you always tried all these different things. It's like, you know, you tried everything and in everything that you did, you literally, I feel that you're one of the people who has, who's like almost a, who's founded or or put the foundation in place for where it is that we are in Africa now. No, it's Mm -hmm. true because we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's right now, it's like six years, eight years ago. It's not that long Mm -hmm. ago, but 
people are so quick to forget because mm. everybody I mean Jay-Z is wearing Africa you know it's mm. like everything is like the whole world is sees Africa as what it is but you're a visionary because when the world didn't see Africa as what it was and when Africans didn't see Africa as what it was you always saw that and so I salute your courage I salute (laughs) just everything you've done you know and everything that you continue to do and I I, I said it in part as a joke but quite literally if there was a point where you ran for president (laughs) not even of Nigeria see of this Africa (laughs) please call me I'll be a campaign manager I'll just be (laughs) standing But I thank think you, you do a fantastic thank job, you. and and just thank, thank you, you for your contribution, and just you you literally are Africa retold. You, you are like all that. of those Africa things. Retold, yes. Yeah. No, no. Thank you. And and I, I think just just from my perspective, all the things that I did, you know, and you know, the, the book, the Africa's Greatest Entrepreneurs, the book. Nobody was writing about African business entrepreneurs. Mm. We were all looking at you know then Donald Trump, and yeah. you know, um, now we're not looking at Trump now anymore. We're not looking at him anymore. And you know, there was always this, but no one's done it. Um, but no one's done it, yeah. you know, so it can't be done. Mm. And that's why I think that young people are so vital because you don't even know that it can't be done, yeah. you know. So, like, there were things that I was doing that people said, you know, when I did the Nolly books, you cannot produce books for that, for 50 Rand and hope people will read them. You can't print in color. You can't do this. I didn't know you couldn't do it because mm. I was I was younger. And, I, you know, now I'm like, no, you can't do it. Yeah, you know, and I, so I really think that, you know, all these things, it's not necessarily about laying the... the, the, the um, laying a platform it's like you know as you build a platform all of these things are for people to step onto and go up you know like now there's stuff about because at the time when i did living it there's no there was no series that sort of showed wealthy africans mm. just hanging out you know it was always like you know you, you had we had we had to go and watch overseas stuff now it was like oh no there's a guy in ghana that's just doing this and there's a guy mm. in Nigeria. so now that all of those things are there so it just provides a platform for people to step on top of that and do better and do better and do better and that's how i see it that the young people there who've got fresh ideas and they should just start they yes. should just do stuff that's yeah. how i see it because i'm old and tired now no 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 <laughs> not at all see yeah, we're africans we don't get old we don't get old. we don't get old black, doesn't, black skin doesn't crack <laughs> black, black doesn't crack <laughs> just one other question i wanted to ask sorry two real quick mm-hmm. so the first one is there any project that you did um before that you felt was ahead of time i know that there probably yes. are many yes. that you would that you wished all of the circum you know that everything was in place like, the, let me say that the ground was fertile as it is now that you feel was ahead of time. Um, oh, God, there, there's so many things. I mean, I, I didn't tell you, it's not even on my profile that I had an African fashion dress business wow, at the time. Okay. I was making shirts that were cut like Hugo Boss shirts. So they nice. Them, all of this stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've done a lot of stuff and yeah. I'd have to kind of think think through that. But there is one little thing that I, I did that um, those Nolly books, because I always remember this. I, because um, I realized that people were not reading, people didn't read, and I still thought it was important to get stories across, and these were inspirational stories. So I developed these things called, um, they were they were talking books. It's the pre, it, before mm. podcasts came mm, along. Okay. So you could actually listen to these stories, and we and they were almost like um, old style radio. So there were there were like five characters, and each character had a voice. So we actually um, recorded them. So there was a narrator, there was um, the characters, and they it was like a play. But it was 30 minutes, so each chapter was the length of a song, three minutes, so you could download it. We actually got it onto MTN's platform. Sure. But, you know, I just it was just another exhausting new thing. And mm. I really wish, because right now with podcasting, I could just actually have do that now. Mm. But I've moved on. Yeah. But anyway, that was one thing that I... 
Sure. Was before its time, way before its time. Definitely. And that's how we're going to bring this to wrap. Thank okay. you very much thank for spending you. time with but thank us. thank you. You're such an enthusiastic sort of shiny No, it's because I'm, ex- I'm excited to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank- I just love the fact that I get to speak to phenomenal I people. Know, but it's you, just- you've got a phenomenal job then. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but thank you. Okay. Cool. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now.